Yeah, why would I want to be in a dark room, talking about my feelings, drinking kale smoothies? But it's pretty magic. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rage Active Podcast. It's been such a pleasure to see everyone enjoying the recent episodes, and I'm so grateful for all of you tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. This week, I'm sitting down with a well-loved Apple Fitness Plus alumni trainer. He's the founder of Warrior One Yoga. He's also a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a former professional surfer. Welcome to the show, Dustin Brown. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited because this chat has been a few years in the making because we first spoke about doing this back in, I looked it up, it was a couple of years ago, 2021, and there were a few uh, constraints back then, but I'm glad we're here and welcome back to Melbourne. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's funny, <laughs> full circle. Full circle moment, yeah. So I'm very excited to talk to you about your journey and your insights and to hear all about your learnings and... Firstly, I believe your favorite word is aloha. I read that somewhere. So aloha. I do love that word. It's really special. Tell me why. Why, why is your, your favorite word? It's one of my favorite words just because of what it embodies. And there's like in Hawaii, there's something known as the aloha spirit. And the aloha spirit is not just the word. The word itself can be a greeting. It can be a farewell. It means love. There are many uses for the word itself. But across all Polynesian cultures, there's a similar kind of theme when it comes to this word. Even in the Maori culture, they use the word aroha. And it's this presence of divine breath, or there's uh, an intention when you say that word. It's like you're giving a part of yourself, a part of your heart, and insight into that. So I think it's really special. Yeah, that's amazing. I really like, I mean, I've, I've spent a little bit of time in Hawaii, uh, Maui for a short time, which I really loved. And I really loved that a few of them thought I was the local girl. So I thought that was even, even better. That was a nice compliment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to understand you and get to know you a little bit more as a person. I'm very curious to know how your early years have shaped who you are today, because you've had a very interesting journey. So you know, and, and like you were saying before with, with Aloha and the meaning and just Hawaii in general, it's a pretty spiritual place, right? It's culture and it's quite unique, especially compared to a lot of the other states of America. Mm. So can you take me back to those earlier years? What has been the most impactful things that have happened to you and how have they shaped who you are as a person today? I think um, growing up in Hawaii and having uh, father parents that really love nature and the ocean. My dad was a surfer and really just put me into that. And it was something, it was something I was passionate about and excited by. And it really just that time in nature, time spent surfing and dedicating myself to something that I just really enjoyed. But through that process, you learn so much about yourself, how to be, how to work with the ocean and set against it. And, I think those early days in Hawaii just really gave me not only a foundation to for physical movement, but also my parents were super religious and like I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. So oh, wow. from a very early age, I was going door to door and knocking on doors and talking about the Bible. And if I think about it, that definitely helped me 
with public speaking and being a teacher and the things that I do because I never found that intimidating. It's like, have you ever had to dress up in a suit and go and talk to your schoolmates at their front door about the Bible? This is this is easy. So that kind of um, start was definitely helpful for where I am today. Yeah, that's amazing. Have you found that growing up with religious background, I mean, what's your perspective on it now because when you are a kid and you grow up in certain contexts you don't have I guess the zoomed out version until you're an adult to really see that there are other ways to look at things so do you look at that upbringing and see the links between how you may have linked that into spirituality now and your views on spirituality or have you carried that perspective of that religion through to today as an adult. I feel like I'm not a Jehovah's Witness and I didn't continue on that path from a very early age in my teens. So I did that up until around 12, 13 and I started to move away from that. And that caused a lot of rifts with my parents. And for some years, I didn't speak with my parents. I moved out of my parents' home when I was 15, so a very young age and was on my own from that point. That also helped mold me into who I am because I was had to be independent from a very early age and fend for myself, pay bills and make rent and survive. So I think that definitely molded my perception on religion as something I would completely avoid and stay away from. Yeah, wow. So I would say I'm not a religious person, but I'm a very spiritual person. Yes. And I think for a very long time, I couldn't differentiate the difference between the two. I associated spirituality with religion and religion had left such a sour, bad taste in my mouth. I had nothing, wanted nothing to do with it. And when I started getting back into yoga practice, some of these concepts of a higher power and things like this kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Not that I would like get offended or anything. It just like, mm, just kind of the walls would go up. And the more I sat with it and kind of did teacher trainings, learned more about tradition and actually what was being asked of me, it started to really shift my perspective and realize like, okay, I am connected to something greater than myself. And I really feel that, but I don't like to label it in the ways that I was taught in early days. And I don't have to share those same exact beliefs about lifestyle and where we're going. So yeah, it's definitely helped. It definitely opened me up to these perspectives and ideas, but it's been a big kind of journey. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And I think, I mean, I've definitely spoken to a lot of people and I feel like, I mean, I I feel like a lot of us have grown up with religious backgrounds, but as we've gotten older, started to question the beliefs that we were taught with whatever religion you were brought into and then formed your own ideas about what spirituality means for you and have it more of a broader scope rather than such a black and white idea of what it is supposedly you were taught, you know, when you were young. So I think that's really cool that you've come into your own shift of perspective around what you believe. So I think what's really interesting about surfing or sport in general, martial arts and yoga is that they're all practices that are linked by the fact that they have this mind to body component associated with them. And even if you're not specifically a spiritual person per se, I think almost everyone can recall a time that they've felt in flow, which, you know, in positive psychology, this is referred to as a flow state where time stands still. You don't have concept of time because you're so in the moment and it's almost like time doesn't exist. So can you describe to me your experiences of that mind to body connection or that flow state because you've practiced across these different disciplines and 
how is it, is it different between those different practices and what that experience is like for you? Yeah, I think I'm a flow state addict. I definitely <laughs> feel that that's where I thrive and I try and find things that bring me to that state as much as possible. And from an early age, surfing was that. It's like, you don't care when the surf is good and it's on, it's like you are completely involved and there's so many factors to it, right? Yeah. And you push through discomfort and pain because the surf is so good. I remember being a young kid and you feel like you're so rashed and so tired. You feel like your arms are noodles and you cannot go on, but the surf is pumping and it might not be like that tomorrow or for ages to push beyond. And so I think there's this this mind-body connection or this state of presence when everything else fades away and you're just completely in whatever you're doing. And I started experiencing that through jujitsu because as soon as you try and think about other things, like there's a lot going on, but you start to find this place where you're just completely present and it's almost like time slows down and you're moving in slow motion. So I started noticing that there. And I really started researching this time in my life and like, okay, so I really love being in this place. Movement gets me there. This is before I discovered yoga. And like, surely I can start to feel like this more and more because I started to realize like half the time I was really in these places, very present, very happy. And the rest of the time, kind of not so much. And when I found yoga, it really made it clear, like how the mind body connection is the missing piece. It's not just what you're doing. It's on the other times, what are you thinking? Where are you placing your attention? How it all works together. Yeah. So starting to realize that I could create these conditions on my yoga mat and by going to yoga classes. And then as that continued and grew, learning about meditation, something I had always kind of avoided because I thought it was like too passive, too boring, not for me. My mind can't do it. My mind's too busy. And so I started having, questioning my own beliefs and my own preferences and trying these things that I had been avoiding. And lo and behold, they were magical. <laughs> so tell me about that journey. Tell me about that journey into yoga because like you're saying, yes, these movement practices like surfing and, and jujitsu are, are quite different. They are obviously physically movement-based, but you still get that mind-to-body connection. But tell me about finding yoga and how that was for you, you know, what was going on at the time when you, when you sort of found yoga? When I found yoga, I was training as a pro jiu-jitsu athlete. I had a sponsor, had multiple sponsors, and they were um, basically giving my money to me so I didn't have to work and I could spend all my time training jiu-jitsu for jiu-jitsu competitions and things like this. And I was traveling and going overseas to South America and U.S. and doing the competitions over there. And so I was like, okay, I need to be stronger. I need to be faster. I got a strength and conditioning coach. And I just found myself feeling more and more broken, more and more tight, more in pain. And did a challenge. Someone's like, you should try doing squats. Have you done squats? I'm like, no. And so they gave me this squat challenge. It was something online at the time from Edo Portal. It was like, sit for 30 minutes a day in a deep squat. And you can do that. You need to do this 30 minutes a day for 30 days. That's a challenge. And you can break it up in any amount of time. So the first day I did it, I think it was like 60, 30 second stints in a squat to be able to sit for 30 minutes in a squat. And I did that. And over the month, within like 10 days, two weeks, I could sit in a deep squat comfortably for time. And I started to change my perspective of these feelings I had in my body. I'm like, okay, so 
in such a quick time, I could create a big change in my range of motion and ability to be comfortable here. And that opened me up to the idea of stretching because before, again, I was like, why would I do that? seems like a waste of time. And yoga seems like weird stuff for hippies. So, (laughs) and, um, my ex-wife Nova did a challenge. We're living like in South Yara and she went to hot box yoga and did a 30 day challenge. I think it was like 30 days for 30 bucks. And every day during this 30 days, she's like, you need to try this. You need to try this. And I didn't, I was like, avoid. <laughs> I think she bribed me or bet me that I couldn't do it. So one day I went with her and I actually felt amazing. It was impossible. I died. Yeah. I found it extremely challenging. It was hot yoga. It was the Bikram 26 by two sequence. Oh, wow. And I was just dying. Right. But there was this old lady behind me who looked like she could blow away in a strong wind. And she just so calm, serene, did the whole thing. I'm like, there's something to this. It's like, I'm this athlete. I'm all strong and I'm dying just by standing here. And this old lady's just chilling, breathing. Maybe I should try this again. So the feeling I had after that first class of release in my body and also this kind of idea that like, there's something to this. I need to check this out more. So I did the 30 days for 30 bucks. And then that just continued. After about three months of being there every single day, the owner started chatting to me and figuring out what my story was. And she's like, you should just, let's keep you going. And she actually sponsored me for jujitsu so that I could do yoga for free. And that really set me up to be in the studio daily. And not long after that, I did my first teacher training and that kind of started a whole cycle in itself. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I think too, there is this misconception about yoga, right? And like you were saying, like you had at the beginning that it's like, what am I going to do? Just stretch and like sit there yeah, and meditate. Why would I want to be in a dark room talking about my feelings, drinking kale smoothies and seems pretty lame, Yeah, but it's pretty magic. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to break that perception. What would you say to people yeah. who are thinking about yoga in the same way you did? Why would I walk into a yoga studio anyways? Because yeah, is, isn't that all it is, sitting on a mat, drinking kale smoothies? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because people see the physical side and that's all they see. Or they know about the meditation side and they're like, mm, that's not also something I don't see a benefit of. But it wasn't until I did my first tre- teacher training that I actually learned about the eight limbs of yoga. And that yoga is not just a movement modality, but in, in fact, a science for living your entire life. Mm. And so unpacking the eight limbs and starting to dive into the concepts for novel living and thinking and these ideas, the system, and when put in practice, how that makes you feel. It's like, huh, this is similar to what I learned as a kid, the 10 commandments, be a good person, live a good life. But then there's these other pieces, move with intention, breathe in specific way, pull your senses in from the outside world to create these conditions of awareness within, where does that take you? And so start through practice, I started having these deep insights, these insights into myself. I'm like, this is just waking me up to what's already inside of me. I've been looking for these feelings, searching for something so, something profound that I think so many people in this life are looking for. And I found that within myself through practicing yoga. Yeah. And I think that's really, really magic. Yeah, that's amazing. I think you're right when you're saying that. I think a lot of us are looking for things and, and a lot of the time it's looking externally outward to find these things to find that contentment to find that happiness etc etc and one of the things that I really love about yoga is that it requires you to slow down come back to your breath come back to your body 
And, you know, when you're rushing around, we're living our lives, we're going a million miles an hour. What we really need is that space to almost allow these realizations about ourselves to surface and and come to our awareness, right? Our conscious awareness about ourselves, about our lives, about maybe challenges or decisions that we might be facing in our day-to-day life. So I'm, I'm interested to know, can you tell me about your most memorable or most impactful moment or realization that has come from your practice of yoga? Because I know I've definitely had moments where I've been on the mat and you, because you're in that state and you have the space, you have these realizations that come up for you. And some can be really profound, life-changing moments that happen. So can you tell me about one of those kind of moments that have happened for you? I think there's been a, a, a lot of them. Yeah. And it's like a slow process, right? Like you start having these moments and then you start stringing them together and realizing, like, okay, these are moments that I can start to create by thinking and doing and acting and creating these habits. I can start to create a lifestyle that is congruent with having these experiences. And I remember for ages, yoga teachers were always talking about opening your heart and how opening your heart was like this beautiful feeling and there's emotion that goes with it, all these things. And like, as, as, even as I hear those words, like there was almost kind of like a recoil within, like whatever, like this kind of like inner dialogue of like, uh uh-huh, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And, and when I would do backbending postures, it would almost make me, it would physically make me feel nauseous. I wouldn't actually vomit or anything, but I would feel really uncomfortable and really kind of not good feelings around these poses. And I learned that one, I was doing these things wrong. I was kind of compressing my spine and avoiding and moving into it in a very kind of forceful way. And that pushing on my nerves make me feel bad. But also like who I was as a person was really kind of negative towards myself. And I have all these desires for love from, from my partner in the outside world. But when it came to my own inner dialogue and my own inner voice, I'm my worst enemy and worst critic. And for me to even be able to feel open in my heart, I had to let go of these, this gripping or this holding on of this idea that I had about myself and these thoughts and these negative kind of patterns. So one of the biggest moments was when I realized that like, it wasn't something outside of me that was holding me back and creating these sensations. It was my own inner angst and gripping. And as soon as I let that go and freed myself, there was almost like, it felt like my heart cracked open and I had a huge kind of energetic, emotional, and almost like psychedelic experience through that. And after that, I've been, I've had many more experiences like that in different kind of movements and areas of my body, but it just made me realize that my own fluctuating mind was keeping me in a place that wasn't helpful. And the more that I practice and speak with other people, this condition isn't unique to me as I would like to believe it is. We all like to think like, I'm so special. My brain is is special. It's not like other people's. And then I start to talk to good teachers and have these other experiences and realize like, oh, so you mean I don't have to sit here and suffer. Other people have done all this before me and there's a shortcut. (laughs) So I just do this stuff and I'm happy and I feel good. It started to really start to line up and make sense. So these moments or these enlightened moments 
start to wake you up to a better way of being, a better way of, that's just it, a better way of being. Yeah. And through that, you can start to analyze your own patterns and just create a deeper awareness of how can I string these enlightened moments together and start to create or the goal to create an enlightened life. Yeah. And it's through those moments, like you were saying, it's stringing those moments together because that is, that's life. We live life through the moments that we're in, in the present moment. And I really like that. So how can people translate the practice of yoga into their day-to-day lives? Because like you were saying before, yoga isn't just the asanas or the, the, the physical movement and poses that people might see on face value, but yoga is a, a way of living philosophy. So how can people really translate the practice of yoga to their day-to-day living. I think as soon as you start to wake up to these other concepts, and if you go to classes consistently enough, you'll start to realize, it might take a while for this realization to happen, but you'll start to realize like, what is yoga doing? If you look at it from a very objective perspective, like what are we actually doing? We're moving, we're breathing. We're placing our focus on a specific thing. What does that do? Right? What it, what it, what are the conditions you're creating by doing that? So it's essentially creating conditions that get you out of your thoughts and the spirals of thoughts into felt experience in the moment. Mm. That's really valuable because we like to analyze and judge and think, but flow state mm-hmm. is not an analyzing thinking place, right? Yeah. And you can't actually force yourself there. You have to kind of like create the conditions like meditating. You can't practice meditation. You create the conditions and then you move into that state when the conditions are right. Mm. And as soon as you're like, I'm meditating, I'm doing it. You're you're out out of it. So the same thing with flow state. And when you start to practice and realize like, why are the the teachers are constantly asking me to bring my attention to one specific point. Then we're doing this thing. You're creating conditions for these states of awareness and so the yoga practice is just that it's getting you out of the fluctuations in your mind into felt experience and as soon as you can start to notice you're thinking again you're doing that thing you're like i'm doing it you're like oh i'm out of it (laughs) and to come back and not to be frustrated by that cycle or that process but just to realize that's part of it and if you do it enough you'll start to move into that state and you'll be able to stay there for a little while until you lose focus and you start thinking again and then you're out yeah it's I think it's really incredible because it is literally a practice that you just then take into your life. Once you realize and understand, like you're saying, understand the patterns of your mind and what your mind is doing, then you can move that into different contexts and almost like create conditions in your normal day-to-day life. It doesn't have to be once you're out of the yoga studio, you create those conditions in your in your day-to-day life where you can replicate that, being able to exactly. move. So yeah. The question was like, how do you take this off the mat? Mm. So you start to have these experiences on your mat. And when you're not practicing, you start to have these same realizations because it's all the same. Like how you do one thing is usually how you do everything. If you're really quick and rushed and that's your normal patterns, a lot of things in your life will reflect that. But if you're very kind of considered, concise, direct, that'll start to show through in what else you do. So how you move on your yoga mat, how you react instead of respond when the teacher says something, how does your face go? What happens when you hear chair pose? Do you like it starts in it's this micro environment that you can really start to observe and notice yourself 
you're, you know, you practice deep listening. You're through that deep listening, you cultivate deeper proprioception, introperception, and essentially awareness of your own habits, patterns, where your mind goes when things get tough. And if you're paying attention, you're not allowing yourself distracted through these experiences over and over. That is really teaching you that the conditions you create on your yoga mat are very similar to the conditions in the outside world that are outside of your control. Mm. The same feelings come up. You'll notice you react or respond in the same way that you've practiced. So how do you take it off your mat? Exactly that. Pay attention. Watch. Notice. What is yoga? Te- what is one of the most valuable things that yoga's taught me? When things get hard, take a deeper breath. Mm, I like that. When things it seems impossible, inhale. <laughs> You're probably holding. Wow! Right? Yeah. So it's it's simple, but as humans, we forget. So I think that's really where the magic of yoga happens is when you start to have these realizations that. It's not really about the hour on your little yoga mat, on your little magic carpet. It's what you learn and what you take off that. The physical practice has amazing benefits. Just spending that hour for yourself has amazing benefits. But the ripple effect throughout that process is really why I practice. Yeah. All those other things that come with it as well. And, and what you said just there, when things get hard, take a deep breath. I really love that. That's that's it's so simple, that's right? So simple. <laughs> and something that you can do in any context, not just on the mat. Things are getting hard in your life. Just take a deep breath. That's what it's about. Yeah. You know, like how as also as we age and get older and the poses become less accessible, it's all about these lessons so that you can do more subtle practices like just sitting there, get create this same feeling. Mm. Create the same state. Yeah. No, I really love that. Really, really love that. So I know that books also have been a really big part of your learnings and your teachings. And there's a few books that you recommend in your yoga teacher training at at Warrior One. And Mm. there were a couple that I thought they are quite well known universal books that most people will have probably heard of. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. Now, I've read The Power of Now and I read that when I was about 22, but I haven't read The Untethered Soul. But my gathering is that there is a thread if we take the key common concepts around it. There might be some links there. And there's a quote by Michael Singer, the author of The Untethered Soul, that I really loved, which is, there is nothing more important than realizing that you are not the voice in your mind. You are the one that hears it. And that's probably one of the best, most concise quotes I've heard on describing awareness and understanding that you are not your mind. You are the one that observes your mind. You are the one that observes your body. So let's unpack this a little bit because this is a large piece to the teachings of yoga like we were just discussing. Tell me about this concept of awareness and when you first came to understand awareness because before you understand awareness, that concept sometimes, I remember when I read the book Power of Now, I was 22, and I thought it was dense at the time when I read it because these were new concepts to me and I didn't, I didn't understand it. But when you, when that just something clicks and you, you get it and you're like, ah, oh, I understand that my mind is not me. I'm the one that actually can witness the thoughts that are going on in my mind. Tell me about that moment when it clicked for you, when you came to understand that whole idea about awareness. 
I think that book was really helpful. Mm. And Tony Robbins also, you know, shares some of these similar concepts. Yes. But I really suggest if you never read The Untethered Soul to read that book, it's literally like small. It's on it's my like list. Yeah. I was like this big. Untethered Soul is like this. Big. Right. It's, it's tiny. You can get through it in a day if you wanted to. Yeah. And it is very profound. But this idea that I'm not alone, that, huh. I'm not the only person that does this. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I have kind of like very high standards when it comes to myself. And so this inner critic or this inner voice has always been there. And it's an extremely negative. And it's like the heckler in the back, in the back of my mind. And so to real, I have these realizations that I, I'm not alone. Other people hear this too. And that my sporting heroes, the people that I really aspire to be like in surfing and jujitsu also have this inner critic and it's not different for them, yet they have persevered and pushed through that. That was a huge realization for me. So it's like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not broken. This screaming voice in the back of my head is something everyone hears, but I get to choose which of those words I listen to. And I can actually start to quiet that down by focusing on specific things. Like the more I started practicing gratitude, that inner critic shut up. And I started to have less and less moments like that, but it still happens. And so I just, and that tool is a tool that I always use. It's very well used tool in my tool belt is this remembering that, oh yeah, that's a voice you don't have to listen to. And it pops up at interesting times. But yeah, that idea of the own inner voice and critic, and you get to choose which of those words you listen to. And even though they're there, you're not broken. And that everyone has this. I found that really empowering. That was a big switch for me. Yeah. And I think, and you're right, you know, everybody has that in that inner critic, that negative self-talk that we all have and it's more about your capacity to witness it and then respond so there you talked about earlier that idea about reacting versus responding and you know some people may not have heard that concept before don't really know what it is especially if they're newer to their practice in terms of understanding awareness but can we go through that a little bit because there's if you are reacting that's an automatic default response but what you're talking about there is more of a conscious decision. Or the, or the gap, creating a gap or space in, be, in between your reaction time so that you're not reacting but consciously responding. And so taking a breath or a pause and practicing responsibility. And I really love this kind of breakdown of that word that we all have the ability to choose our response. And... Lately in my own practices, I have kind of a gauge for myself. And it's just like an inner kind of knowing a barometer. Like if I've been very consistent in my practices, it's, this doesn't happen. But if I've let other scheduling things get in the way, I'll notice like I'll be tra in traffic. And some it always happens in traffic. Someone always does something dodgy. <laughs> but it'll I'll react and I'll say something out of my mouth. And I'll swear or I'll say something about that person. And, I, and it just comes out. I'm like, I'll notice. And I'm like, 
to be honest, that's not what I'm trying to put out in the world, but it happens. We all get upset. Nothing wrong with that. But when I say these things, it's not like I sat there and thought of a witty thing to say. It's a reaction that just comes out. And I'm like, whatever I say, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then after I'm like, and lately I've been pausing there. I'm like, take a breath. It's not how I want to be. They person can't hear me. It doesn't affect them whatsoever. I'm just affecting myself. And why I'm going to sit here in my own car affecting myself in a negative way (laughs) makes zero sense. So this idea of starting to catch yourself, and it just starts with awareness. You're like, I'm not treating people I really care about in a positive way when I'm not feeling the best. How can I choose to respond to my friends, my family, these people I care about in a really nice way, even when I'm exhausted or grumpy? And it starts with little things like that. And then you start to notice where else do you do it and to people that you don't care about as much or in places that you've decided don't matter as much. How are you showing up? So just to create this idea of awareness around your reactions and are they consciously how you want to show up in the world? Are they, and if they're not, how can you shift that? Give yourself this moment, this time in between something happening and you're responding so that it's not reactive. It's a chosen to be responsible. Yes. Responsible. Forget, I forget where I heard that, but I've heard that some years ago and it never left. It just landed and I was like, I love that. Yeah. I've never heard it phrased like that either, responding with responsibility. Yeah. I really, really like that link. Now, aside from the untethered soul, which I will read now, uh, <laughs> but I'm interested to know, what other book has impacted you in a really profound way and what have you learned from it? I really like the autobiography of a yogi by Paramahamsa Yogananda. It's one of the, in one of the first yoga teacher training I did, that was one of the required readings. And this autobiography talks about Paramahamsa Yogananda and he is someone that started the Self-Realization Fellowship and he really popularized and spread yoga to the Western world in the early days in a major way. And he has these self-realization fellowship centers in various parts around the world. There's one actually in Malibu, right off of Sunset Boulevard by the beach. It's like this lake shrine. It's gorgeous. Mm. It's amazing. But his book basically talks about his life. And from, from birth, he lived a very kind of different lifestyle. He always knew that he was more unta- tapped into things compared to most people. And he explored that. And it talks about him growing up in India and how he learned about these yogis with superpowers and he searched them out and went and met with these people and witnessed their superpowers and developed his own practice and found his own teachers and how that really kind of it's basically just like from birth to his death, how he lived this beautifully inspired life and how that led him to do amazing things. I really love that book because of the path that he took and how inspiring it is. But it also talks about all these yogi things that are kind of like hinted at, mm. but never, never confirmed. Yeah, And it's like, this lady never ate and lives off light and air. And this guy can float around in the, without, you know, so... 
very kind of mystical things, but to learn about his firsthand experience and read these things is very, very cool. I found that book really inspiring and I still do. It's one to reread. And then I started learning about uh, apparently like Steve Jobs. That was his number one birthday gift to anyone who had the birthday. Like you were getting that book. Wow. Amazing. We can pop it in the show notes for everyone and recommend that as well. Yeah, Autobiography of a Yogi. It's a very, very well-known book. Now, I've got the hot three final questions for you. So here's number one. What drives you? Evolution. Evolution and essentially like this desire to be happy. Like I always contemplate like what is my driving force, well-being and happiness, evolution, constant growth. Constant growth. I like that. It's a meaningful pursuit, growth. Yeah, I like that. Now, if you had one regret or something that you could redo or relive in your life, you could go back and redo it, what would that be and why? I've never actually considered that question. I don't think I would redo anything because then I wouldn't be where I am now. Mm. And there has been some really hard moments and challenges, but here we are. Yeah. So, you know, and life isn't perfect. Even now, like, I'm sitting in some discomfort. Like, it's not all butterflies and rainbows. But at the same time, like, what a ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, like, yeah, I, I try not to live with regret, and I don't have deep regret in my heart at this point in my life. And I really pray that that... I never do anything that leads me to a point. And I think if you're truly following your heart and letting that lead you instead of your logic and intellect and taking time to stop in and really check in, then you can live without regret. Mm, I really like that. You know, like it's the saying, it always works out in the end. And if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. And the final question I have for you, is what is the biggest lesson you have learned in your life so far? Just to follow your heart. That's it, to follow your heart. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, that's it. It's like, it's not easy, but oh, is it worth it? And it'll test you and try you, but it's the life to live. It's a life of evolution, constant growth and excitement. Yeah. Yeah, I really, mm. really love that. I really love that. Follow your heart. Famous last words. well i really really love this conversation so thank you so much for being on the show i love having these conversations and it's been so good to get to know you a bit better and understand you know what you've gone through your journey and your learnings and all the things that you're also teaching people as well so where can people find more about you and your work and and yoga and the studio so you can connect with me on instagram d brown yoga um, you can find me in studio at my yoga studios, Warrior One Yoga, and also on Instagram or the website, warrioroneyoga.com.au. I have a teacher training that has two intakes per year that, if I'm honest, that's one of the driving forces in my life. And it really lights me up and it feels, it feels part of my life purpose to actually do this and to show people this path that I'm walking and to show them how they can do that themselves. I really, really love doing that. So I'm grateful that I get to call that my work. And so, yeah, you can find me in studio teaching weekly classes. I'm teaching most days or on a retreat or at the teacher training. And yeah, you can also find me in the surf or on a jujitsu mat if you look hard enough. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, would love to connect. If anyone has any questions or want to shoot me a DM, DM I'll go for a surf, let me know. <laughs> 
Yeah, amazing. Well, we'll pop all of those links up in the show notes. So make sure you check it out, guys, for yoga and all other bits and pieces. And tell us what you loved and learned from this episode by leaving a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. Make sure you screenshot this episode, tag us and share it to your socials. Thank you again so much, Dustin, for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Rage Active Podcast. Podcast.